Welcome to This Is Real Life with Jen Blossom, where we talk all things that make us most uncomfortable, from abuse to addiction and trauma to recovery, nothing is off limits. My guests and I will expose the parts of ourselves that hold the most pain and share the freedom that is possible. This is Real Life. Daniela, this is super exciting. Thank you so much for joining me today on this episode. I know that it's crazy with this coronavirus thing going on. And so we have to do it online. And that's kind of a bummer because I'd rather do it in person, but I wanted to welcome you. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Coronavirus times, whole new era. Coronavirus times. And we're (laughs) going to talk about cystic fibrosis today. And so, I mean, talk about even crazier um, cystic or, uh, coronavirus times when you have a child with cystic fibrosis, right? Yeah. I mean, um, it just, it's, it's pretty relevant to what's going on. Um, a lot of people are like, Oh my God, I have to wear gloves and masks and wash my hands and sanitize. I'm like, Oh, well, (laughs) welcome to the life of a person with cystic fibrosis. That's right. I mean, it's crazy. So, you know what, let's get started. I mean, you are a mom of, Aria and um, she is what six? She's five and a half this month. Five and a half, <laughs> and you're married. You live in Southern California, and she's your only kid, right? Yes. Uh, we. I originally wanted to have a second child right after she was born because that feeling of just undevoted love for a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as time passed, and with her diagnosis we realized the responsibility of caring for a child with cystic fibrosis and um, the expenses, the emotional battle, the equipment, the medications. And we just decided that maybe we needed to focus on her. I I get it. I mean, that's, it's a hard decision to make, but honestly, like I can't even imagine. So when, so take me through, when do you find out that your child has cystic fibrosis is, do you find out in utero or do you find out once she's born? You can find out in utero. I mean, first of all, uh, I can just summarize what cystic fibrosis is it, uh, okay. for people that don't know. Um, yeah. It's a genetic disease. It's actually a very rare uh, recessive genetic disease. Um, and it's a buildup of mucus inside all the organ systems in the body. So the reproductive system, the digestive system, the pulmonary system, uh, they all get clogged up with this thick, sticky mucus uh, that the body's not able to get rid of because it doesn't process salt the way we do. So um, there is a test that can be done when when you're pregnant, and it's an additional test. Um, so they they don't rec- they don't tell you you have to do it unless you know, it runs in your family or something like that. Okay. So, and so did you, did it run in your family or your husband's? No, it is genetic, but because it's recessive, it's similar to like blue eyes. Um, it, it's, it's very recessive. So typically it won't even come out. So we went back five generations on both sides and there's absolutely zero history of it. Um, but we oh, didn't wow. do that until after we found out because we're like, oh, what side of the family? Uh, I mean, both sides of the family, but we tried to figure out 
where it came from on each side. And there's just no history. So, okay. So wait, so when did you find out with Aria? Um, well, it is a process to find out. So about two weeks after she was born, I was sitting in the recliner and I was nursing her and the pediatrician, um, our pediatrician called and she said, do you have a moment to talk? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I didn't know anything um, at all. And she goes, have you ever heard of cystic fibrosis? And my heart just literally dropped to the floor because yeah. my brain automatically was thinking cerebral palsy. Mm. Uh, and so I was wheelchairs, hospital beds, like nonverbal, all the worst things like went through my brain. But did you have, but like, were there any symptoms? Like why? No, like there's no symptoms. So in 2007, California passed a law that it's called the heel prick test. And every born, every baby born in the state of California gets a heel prick blood draw um, in the hospital and they mm -hmm. test that blood for over a hundred different genetic diseases. I see. And so your doctor had gotten back the, uh, yeah. the results. Got it. And that's why she called. Got it. Yeah. And just because the results, sometimes there's false positives. So just because right. she was carrying an enzyme that is really high in people with cystic fibrosis, that doesn't mean it could have just been a false positive. So she just explained to me what it was, first of all, and then that we needed to do additional testing. And uh, we needed to start going to chalk to get these tests done. Got it. And like a month later, after they did a blood test on me, a blood test on my husband, they did a salt test on Aria, which is the main test that determines whether they have CF or not. And then they did a stool test. And um, all those tests came back positive for I'm a carrier. My husband's a carrier. She has this two of the same CF genes. Um, her salt test was positive. So we yeah. knew that. So what is this? So what does that look like? Like, so you've got this two week old baby and now you're like, okay, she has cystic fibrosis, but you're seeing no symptoms of the disease. Yeah. Cystic fibrosis is an invisible disease, um, which is so crazy. So, I mean, it's a very, very serious disease, but it's invisible. Um, right. so yeah, it's hard to wrap your brain around. You're like, my baby's fine. My baby looks fine. My baby's eating fine, but it, it's, it's, it's something serious you have to deal with. So, um, I mean, when we found out, it looks like any parent finding out, um, a lot of tears, a lot of crying, a lot of, what are we going to do? Feeling very lost. Um, but the team at chalk, I was very experienced with this. So they started walking us through small things, changes that we're going to start making. And one of them was giving our child pills, but they're so small, they can't take pills at that time. So what would the, but what, what are the, what would the pills do? What are they, what are they doing? They're enzymes. So uh, her pancreas doesn't work. Most people with cystic fibrosis are pancreatic insufficient. So her pancreas wasn't breaking down her food. She was not putting on weight the first couple of weeks. Um, and that's because she wasn't getting any nutrients. So the first mm. step was to start giving her enzymes to help break down her food. And we started there. And that was the first thing we started doing. Okay. So at two weeks old, how are you giving her these enzymes? Uh, we would break open the pills and put the little granules on applesauce. Got and as it. a mom, I'm like, oh my gosh, my baby's not supposed to have anything but breast milk. I'm, it's okay to give her applesauce. Is that going to be okay? And they're like, right. yes, it will be okay. So even just small things, making those type of changes so early uh, was new to us. <laughs> Yeah. So what, what does that look? So are they kids with cystic fibrosis? I mean, if they have this buildup of mucus in their lungs, the issue is like the symptoms is like breathing, right? Like it's hard to yeah. breathe. 
Yeah. It, um, it, if they get this mucus in their lungs and then they get sick, that that those germs and those bacteria or those viruses are just going to have the perfect place to live with this mucus filled lung or, um, so that's why we so can't. So were you like, like, you know, as a, as a new mom, you're already crazy enough, like wash yeah. your hands, don't touch First the baby. This and that. Like how was your life like now knowing that she carried this recessive gene? Um, well, our life looks a lot like kind of how people are living right now, especially the first year. Like we would go to the park, um, when she turned around four months old and we would take Clorox wipes and Lysol and not gloves really at that point, but we would be sanitizing. We'd wipe down the swings and wipe down the slide. And moms, I could tell are looking at us like, Oh, you need to call <laughs> down check. Like yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the park, your, your daughter, but they don't know because it's yeah, invisible. So yeah, our life has always had tons of sanitizer and Lysol and um, just being, you know, no shoes in the house, being really cautious about who could come around her the first year. Um, um, and so then I, I have to assume you stopped working because she needs like, like well, did, or, did you leave her with a nanny? Like, how does that work? No, that's another thing. We, um, we didn't feel comfortable leaving her with anybody that wasn't like, me, right. my husband, or my husband's mom, because she had been living with us at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I, I actually continued to work part-time that first year. And my mother-in-law, who was living with us, would stay with her four hours a day while I worked. My Got plan it. was uh, to go back to work forever. But then right. once we realized I can't live with my mother-in-law forever, and we can't have a random nanny or childcare worker watch her, we can't put her in childcare or a daycare, and I didn't really have a choice but to end my career until she was healthy and old enough to go to big girl school. Wow. And that must be really isolating. I can only imagine because as a new mom, it's already like isolating enough. And yeah. now you can't even like get a babysitter. Like what in the world? Yeah. Like nobody, like not even until she was about three and a half, four years, three, I would say about three to three and a half years old, would my husband feel comfortable with anybody watching her besides his mom, not even my mom. Like, even though my mom's like a nurse, she's foster care certified. He didn't even want my mom watching her until she was like old enough to fully talk and explain how the day went. And yeah. So how, I mean, how, what, what does that even look like in a marriage? Like, are you both like hypersensitive of each other too? Like, or is one more gnarly than the other in terms of like, did you wash your hands? We're like opposites. Like he is um, overprotective, worries about the worst. And I'm like more like, let's live our life and let's enjoy it. So Mm. definitely opposites, but that does create a big issue. We had to go to a lot of counseling. There was times where we didn't think we were going to be able to make it through our marriage because our parenting styles and were so incredibly different. Yeah, I can't even imagine. It's, I mean, it's tough enough having two healthy kids, let alone, you know, bringing in a kid with, you know, yeah. severe like health challenges. So, so what, so what was like then, so the first year of her life, it looked like giving her enzymes, not letting anybody touch her, you know, kind of cleaning everything up. What did the next, you know, what did her toddler life look like? Well, every three months we have to go to chalk. We still do every three months since she was born, we go to chalk for a four to five hour visit. Um, where she sees multiple doctors. So the first year, every time we went, every three months, 
they added on something else for us to do. Um, so first it was the enzymes. Then we went back three months later and they gave us this tapping device where we would manually tap her with this rubber thing to break up any mucus in her lungs. Then we went back three months later and they gave us a nebulizer. And so now I'm sitting there with a six month old baby and a nebulizer and a mask and the enzymes. And then we go back three and then every three months after that, they just kept adding on more medications. Um, oh my gosh. So now she's on over like 20 different medications. Um, and hopefully it will just stay at that. <laughs> but toddler life, uh, when she was about two, we got her vest, which is a huge machine, which is, it's a vest with tubes on it that vibrates her body for 30 minutes twice a day to just break up any internal mucus that's been sitting in her body. Oh my uh, gosh. 30 minutes lot. twice a day. Yeah. That's just uh, it, well, 25 pills just on enzymes. I think she takes about 32 pills a day. Um, she does two sets of treatments. So why she's getting vibrated by this big gnarly vest. She also has a mask on, which is nebulizing steroids and specialty medication into her lungs to thin out the mucus and uh, open up her lungs uh, to just make her breathing easier and to keep all those airways really clear. So oh my gosh. how, I mean, this is like, this is a full-time job. It is. It does. Um, I mean, as you do anything, practice makes things easier. Mm -hmm. So um, I've gotten really used to it. I've gotten really fast and very good at it. But yes, it, it definitely, when she gets sick, she has to do those treatments um, that take about 30 minutes, four times a day, every four hours. Wow. Um, so luckily she doesn't get sick that often anymore. But I mean, I know a lot of moms when your kids are around two or that first cold and flu season where they don't have any kind of protections built up in their body, it yeah. seems like they're sick every single week. No joke. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, that was a hard year. Um, but yeah, it is a full-time job. It's a full-time job educating her, educating other people, doing the treatments, doing the medications, ordering the medications. Like I'm best friends with our specialty pharmacy. Oh my gosh. And is that, I mean, ridiculously expensive? Yeah. One of her medications is $20,000 a month. What? Um, yeah. It's, it's Kaleidico, which we got when she was two and a half. It's, it's actually the, our favorite medication because it's fixing her gene. Gene therapies come so far. It's actually moderating her gene and um, helping her body to function normally. Uh, but because it is such a crazy gene modification g uh, drug, it's $20,000 a month. We pay a hundred because we have insurance. Uh, Holy crap. But it does mean that there's some people out there that have a lot of trouble getting it because maybe their insurance doesn't feel that it's necessary when it happens. What in, okay, hold on. What if Aria was born a hundred years ago? What would her life look like? Um, she probably wouldn't have made it past the age of two. Uh, cystic so like her first cold, she would have been. Yeah, they actually kids with cystic fibrosis a hundred years ago. They usually didn't make it past. It used to be a if you made it over five, you were a miracle case. Wow. Right now, the median age for someone with cystic fibrosis is forty five years old. You know what? That actually is incredible. I remember growing up and having a friend who had cystic fibrosis and that back then, I mean, the age expectancy was like what your mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I have chills all over my body. 
holy crap. It is yeah, thanks to research and science, um, it's privately funded, which means the government doesn't fund it, which some people would look at that as a bad thing. Uh, I actually look at it as a good thing because the foundation decides where the money and the donations should go. And they do a lot of just taking care and making programs for people that have it. And they do a lot into research so that they can develop these drugs. That do you, do, is there like a support group for moms with uh, kids? Oh, with yeah. There's tons. I mean, I'm on a Facebook page. I'm on a couple of them and that's wonderful. But then we also, I mean, but it also shows like you read stuff that just scares you all the time. Um, But then you start kind of making friends. Like we have cystic fibrosis events. And even though the kids can't go to it, because that's something else we should get into. They have to stay five feet apart. They can never be friends with somebody else who has cystic fibrosis. Um, Why? Yeah. Because the bad bugs, there's a couple bacterias that are really common bacterias that we all get, and then we just get over it. But people with cystic fibrosis, there's a couple of them. When they get that bacteria, that bacteria kind of stays with them um, in their lungs, and they can pass it to other kids with cystic fibrosis. And sometimes that particular bacteria um, won't go away and can deadly. Um, crap. So you guys have been social distancing um, <laughs> with cystic fibrosis kids forever. Yeah. They used to do cystic fibrosis camps, kind of like cancer camps. Um, and that was great and everything. But then the kids would all come home from camp and they'd all be like 10 times sicker than they were when they left. And they realized that they were sharing these bad bugs. They oh made a gosh. movie um, called Five Feet Apart. And it's so funny because now everyone has to stay six feet apart. And uh yeah, they can't. Um, yeah, and you guys are like, well, this is our life. Yeah, I'm like, well, that's nothing new. Uh, yeah, it's. I'm sad for Arya because it is very isolating. She she doesn't. But now in this new age, I mean, we're zooming or we're doing a conference right now on the computer. Uh, right. Arya has friends. Cool. Yeah, yeah, she has friends with cystic fibrosis that she talks to you and does treatments with. Because, well, I mean, and you know what? She's at that age where, I mean, she can like have friendships, you know, like when they're little, that's like really hard, I would think, because when you're super little, like four and five, like you're basically doing like parallel play with other kids. And like, how are you supposed to do that if you can't be around other kids? Yeah. And well, and then there's the other side of cystic fibrosis. Like we've missed so many birthdays, not because necessarily Aria is not feeling well. Um, just because when she was younger, we couldn't risk being around someone who's quote unquote, getting over a cold or has a lingering cough or, you know, things like that, where you can clearly tell the kid at the party is like super sick and the mom like mm-hmm. took the kid anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, we only go to birthday parties where we know that, that the parents are understanding of our situation and it, it it's so gonna, did she, when, how, so, so how, how did you pick your preschool? Uh, well, we love our preschool. I, I go to church and in our mops group, um, a lot of moms were, um, not a lot, but I noticed quite a few moms had their kids going to this local preschool. And yeah, so when it goes to it. Yes. I mean, we <laughs> love it. Um, we went and toured it and the fact that there was two teachers and only 12 kids, 10 to 12 kids in each class with two full-time certified teachers. I was like, it can't get any better than this. I couldn't have put her in anywhere where there was too many kids. And it's such a small, caring, faith-based school. Oh no, it's the sweetest. Um, Mission Lutheran school. That's the best. And they like sanitize everything. They have like an extra certification in 
sanitation. And once a week and once a month, they pull all the toys down to like out of the classroom and sanitize them. I'm like, this mm-hmm. is where we have to be. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, but like, so like, are they extra precautious with her? Are they like, what sorts of things do you do? Like in the beginning of the year, do you like send home a letter to all the other parents? Like, Hey, don't send your kids to school if they're sick. Yeah. Well, I have, the teachers are amazing. They are the most understanding teachers ever. They are willing to give Aria her medication in class, uh, which is great because it's a private school. Um, when she goes to public school, she'll have to go to the nurse's office and yeah. they wash their hands and they make sure Aria washes her hands more. Um, I have a book that is really great and it's, it's a children's book and it's like what a day in the life of me looks like. And it's about a little girl with cystic fibrosis. Love that. So I always give the teachers the book and I'm like, if you could read this to the kids on the first week of school, so they kind of understand why Aria is taking pills and, um, then, then it'll just be more open understanding. They'll be like, Oh, okay. It's normal. Um, and you're such a good mom. What a great idea. I thank you. I just wanted to have the teachers understand and the kids understand. So they didn't look at Aria like she's weird. Uh, how was your how was your anxiety dropping her off that first day? Was it like double because she's, you know, you're leaving your kid for the first day, but also because she's got cystic fibrosis? Um, I did cry once I got into my car. Um, I think I was crying just because Aria didn't care that I was leaving. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, bye. And she's like, oh, she's later. Like, I'm I'm free. <laughs> yeah. So let me out of this cage. I am just such a, like, I, I believe in God so much. I know how he's worked in our life and I trust God. So my worries weren't high. I didn't have so much fear. Mm-hmm. I put mm-hmm. my fear away because I know the Lord will always take care of us. Um, so I wasn't that worried about that. I'm, I'm sure my husband was because he is like paranoid, um, separation anxiety, but I was like, you know what? I've got this. This is a great place. God's guided yeah. us here and he's going to take care of Aria. And I think, like I said, just the class size that she's only around 12 kids um, really was a comfort to me. That's amazing. So how, okay. So, so this is a question I, I interviewed someone yesterday and um, her daughter had congenital heart, um, a heart defect. Mm-hmm. And she, and I, I thought, oh my gosh, it's interesting. I'd love to hear your ideas. Cause you know, we live in Southern California and it is like anti-vaxxers, vaxxers, oh, you know, yeah. this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And with somebody like um, Aria, are you pro vaccine or pro or anti-vaccine? Uh, we're pro vaccine and we actually get to get, get to, we got an extra vaccine. Um, I have always really trusted our doctors and our medical staff and they care for Aria like she's their own child. Mm-hmm. And, um, I trust them. So when I have six doctors sitting in front of me and they have all vaccinated their kids and they are telling me that this absolutely necessary, especially for Aria, because she won't recover if she gets certain sicknesses. Um, I trust them. They, they do it for their own kids. They love Aria and I have no reason not to trust our medical staff. So even though I didn't know if I was going to be pro vaccine or anti vaccine, when I had a baby, I had not really thought about it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I talked to the doctors and I realized the risk I, I had, I made my choice. Yeah, I feel like I feel like um, if you have a child with some sort of health compromise, I mean, like 
I mean, without Western medicine, she wouldn't have made it past five, right? I mean, like, so past a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, it's 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 such an interesting point. I'm so, I mean, it's just such a blessing to have. Oh, totally. You know, what we have I mean, nowadays. We know a couple of people. We have a couple friends that are um, anti-vax, and that's fine. We're friends with them, but there has been a lot of times um, where we didn't hang out with them just because their kids' noses are always runny or whatnot. But there's been a lot of times where we've actually skipped um, activities with them or playdates with them just because, especially in the early years, because they just didn't feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting conversation to have for sure. So what, um, what, what do you say to, you know, other moms? Like, what do you wish you would have known in the beginning? Like, what would you have done differently? My number one thing I would have done differently. And I've, I've spoke on this before is I, I, I still wouldn't have gotten tested in utero, uh, utero, um, but just because I had an amazing pregnancy and a very amazing natural birth without any worries. However, I wish I would have read up a little bit more on what kind of genetic diseases are out there. Not that I was going to get tested for them. Just so when I got that call, I didn't automatically think the worst. I guess mm -hmm. I would just, yeah, just educated myself on all the possibilities, not worried, but just been a little bit more aware of possible genetic conditions. Um, yeah. I mean, it's interesting though, because you never think that your baby's going to have the condition, right? I mean, it's like the other people, you know, it's not mine. Um, we're good. It's, you know, the other kids who get this and that, you know, I don't know. I had a feeling and I still, I can't explain it. I don't know if it was just because I am religious, if it was just God, just kind of preparing my heart a little bit. Um, when I was pregnant, I had a feeling that there was going to be some challenges um, really? after she was born. And I can't explain how I would have any other feeling. I just, the only way I can explain it is God was preparing my heart for, for whatever was coming. Because wow, that's I never, crazy. I, it is, it blows my mind in hindsight. It does because if you had a great, see, if you had a really hor like horrible pregnancy, I could see like you thinking that it would be like hard afterwards, but like yeah. you have a yeah. great pregnancy and then to have that feeling that something was going to be up. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know if I was like, oh, because I had made past mistakes in my life. Like I was like, is it going to be like a punishment? But I never felt it as like a punishment. I just felt it as, and I, I thought about different things, but yeah, she's always so healthy and, you know, everything. But I just, like I said, I felt, I felt I knew something was coming down the road. That's I interesting. didn't know what, um, but I would just say, yeah, to anybody that has, ends up having a child, um, that gets diagnosed with something, um, it's the more, you know, and the more you do, the better you get. So mm. the more, you know, about it, the more confident you are in being able to deal with the things that come at you. And, um, it does get better with time. I know a couple of people had told me that and I'm like, no, you're lying, but it <laughs> does, it does. It gets better. I'm actually not uh, too upset that this coronavirus is here. Now people hopefully will start uh, washing their hands a little bit more and being a little yeah, bit. Yeah, totally. 
Um, and then what things would you do? Like, like what are some things that you've done for Aria, you know, just kind of in order to give her, I don't know. I would, I would have to assume that a child like that is, you know, sitting twice a day, 30 minutes, taking all the pills, like that's a lot for a little kid. Like what are some things that you did or, or still do that kind of give her comfort and, um, like, is there a routine? Yes, we definitely have a schedule. Um, that's the only way we can operate so that she knows, Oh, it's treatment time. Oh, it's medicine time. She won't eat food without taking her enzymes. She'll stop somebody if they try to give her food and she's like, Nope, I need my enzymes. So, and that's just all conditioning with her. Um, we do give her the iPad, those screen time rules where it's like only two hours a day. <laughs> yeah. And that's well, never been well, well, that's thrown out the window with coronavirus. I tell you <laughs> what, that thing's saving my life. That's always been us. She's always been able to pretty much watch as much iPad or TV as she wants. But I think because she's allowed to watch as much iPad or TV as she wants, she actually doesn't unless she's doing her treatments or she's really bored with her toys. Like, cause Got she's it. so active with park and friends and activities. I mean, obviously not right now. Um, and we do try to make, give her everything she wants. Some people may say it's spoiled. I've had people in my own family, um, be like, Oh, you're spoiling her rotten. And it's like, well, um, yes, we do give her a lot. Um, but at the same time, she also has to do a lot more than other kids. So she kind of earns it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's got a lot, a lot higher expectations on her. I mean, she really does behave like a little adult. Adult, yes. <laughs> yeah. She's got, she's very organized and very, you know, you know, by the book, but I guess, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome that she's like that because you can trust her when she's out and about that she's going to, you know, oh, yeah. wash her hands and make sure things are clean and that kind of thing. Well, I think like God creates every single individual and human and only gives them, you know, what they're strong enough to take. So when he created Aria, it's not like he gave her this genetic disease, but he created her strong enough and smart enough um, to be able to handle what was going to be given to her. That's a sweet way to look at it. Yeah. Um, well, I do also know that you have therapy dogs. Yes. Um, animals galore over here. Uh, so I had our two dogs um, before she was born. And um, after she was born and we started traveling and going on walks, I started training my other dog that passed away to, she would walk him on the leash and step and he would kind of lead her. And mm. so I'm like, oh, this is really good because if somebody else is coming and they're sick or something, he's going to do what I tell him to do. So if I tell him to keep walking, he's going to keep walking. She's going to keep walking him. Mm. And then he started traveling and he started helping in the airports to keep her from touching germy surfaces and to, to watch her kind of while I sanitize the seats and the seat belts and the windows. And he just kind of just took on the role and we just started working and training him more. And then he trained our other dog and they're just, they were great silent commands. Aria loves having her dogs. They sit with her during all her treatments, uh, which is great. She always has somebody with her while she's having to do that. That is so sweet. I love that because I mean, it's so lonely and now she has some support, you know, throughout this, you know, this part of her life. Yeah. And the dogs even got certified. You know, we talked to Chalk about 
having them be service animals. And um, Peaches, our newer dog, she's not ready yet. Um, it does actually take a lot of training to get them to the point where they need to be. But yeah, Chalk actually wrote us a letter um, for the airlines or forever whenever we need it that that's Aria's service animal therapy dog. And it, it's great. We've never had to show any any kind of paperwork because he really acts he acts like a service dog. Um, but yeah, it's really nice. And then every time she asks for like a brother or sister, cause we're at that age, <laughs> we just get her another animal. There you go. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So, so you've got a whole zoo over there, I guess. We got fish, snails, bunnies, cats, dogs. <laughs> you uh, know, that's a great idea actually. Okay. We'll have another pet. Go find another snail. It's a cheap, uh, a cheap pet. I like that idea. We're not getting a dog. We're getting a snail and you get to pick it out. Yeah. I, I had to it. draw the line somewhere because I mean, dogs are very time consuming. That's right. Cat, And then I was like, okay, like I got, I was just like, time for a new pet. I'm like, oh, how about that hermit crab over there? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much, um, for being on today. I so appreciate you just telling us a little bit into you know, the, or showing us, you know, a little glimpse into the life of being a mom of a child with cystic fibrosis and what it looks like and how your life hasn't really changed that much with the whole <laughs> coronavirus thing. Yeah. It, that's what I was saying. Like we're, we're, we didn't have to worry about rushing to the store and buying stuff. We, you we had, had masks and gloves, all that stuff stocked up. But I, I want to thank you too, Jen. Anytime I get, um, an opportunity to kind of raise awareness, yeah. um, I always love to do that because, you know, maybe somebody doesn't know and they hear your podcast and they're out somewhere and they see some mom that's like crazy sanitizing the swings. Maybe they'll just remember something they heard and be like, oh, and maybe it's not what it looks like. Maybe she's not just paranoid and crazy. Maybe she has something, a bigger reason for needing to pre- to do that. To protect love that. Yeah. So. Any way we can educate or advocate, I'm in, you know. Yes. I love that about you. You have such a good heart. Oh, thanks, girl. All right. Well, hey, thanks again. I mean, this is fantastic. I think that the more we talk about it, the better. And I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. I know we were able to do this on a Saturday, which is, I mean, listen, when you're home all the time and then finally the the spouse is home, Saturday is now work day for moms and de- or for the moms to get anything yes. done. Oh right? my gosh. I don't know. I don't know how the other couples are doing with being quarantined with their husband, but I definitely can't wait till it's over. Oh, I, I saw this meme and it was really funny. It's this lady and she's outside and she's digging a really deep hole. Uh-huh. And um, the husband goes, oh, and it's like a picture of him, like looking at her digging this uh-huh. hole. And he, she go, he goes, this is so interesting. She said she was planting potatoes, but... <laughs> It's really like yeah, that. For real. Him. She's going to throw him in there. I, and saw similar, I saw a similar meme and it was two old, two ladies talking. She's like, where's your husband? She's like, oh, he's in the garden. And she's like, I didn't see him. She goes, you didn't dig deep enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, girl. We're, yeah. we're about, we're about there, right? I mean, this is the, this is a wild freaking time in our, uh, in our lives for sure. But hey, at least we'll all see each other on the other side, hopefully healthy with our grandparents intact. So love it. All right, girl. Well, thank you so much. I am going to hit stop recording and then, but I'll still say hi to you. So let me, let me stop recording.